morning. There we go. Now I'm in. I'm in. Now you can hear me. If anything woke you up that did, I got to get this coffee primed. All right. Let me get this coffee primed. Excited this morning uh, to, to start a standalone message that I think is, is important for us to hear today. Um, for me, this is uh, what would be my favorite time of year. We just, we just finished off with leaves. You know what I mean? I love leaves. I love fall. I love Thanksgiving. Uh, it's my favorite time of year. But how, I, I have this, this understanding and awareness and uh, reality in my life uh, that the holidays are not the best for everyone. Okay, and the holidays can bring up a lot of things, a lot of pain, a lot of joy, a lot of everything. Uh, even prepping and thinking about this message today, uh, I found myself as um, I was choosing a wonderful, great attitude this past week as Kara uh, came up with a great idea to not have just one but two trees in the house this year. Okay, um, I had a choice to make and I went back to our Roman series and I said, as much as it depends on me, I will have a great attitude. I will have, I will have so much glee and joy in this house that it will just fall off of me and everybody will, will, will just sink in it. Um, so I chose to serve my wife this last week because she loves acts of service um, by with joy and excitement helping to decorate not just one, like I said, but two trees for Christmas. And I've even gone so far as to plan, what would you like outside, honey? Let's think about this. What can we make the outside look like? All right. All of the men here are like, dude, you're ruining it for everybody. <laughs> Listen, when it comes to loving your spouse, you love them the way they need to be loved. Don't love them the way you want to be loved, okay? Because otherwise, we would just sit around and do nothing all the time because I need physical touch. Just sit next to me. Let's do nothing, all right? And, and watch a movie kind of thing. So in thinking about all this, uh, even putting on the old classic Christmas music, I found myself going back to the farm, all right? Going back to the farm in Legnum, Virginia, Culpeper County, and just pictured myself hanging out with Meemaw and Granddaddy again. You know, you heard about Meemaw last week. Uh, hanging out and, and listening to Christmas music uh, on the radio, uh, which was through the record player that I have in my office now as, a, as I go back sometimes with, with Granddaddy and hang out in that way and listening to Patsy Cline. And I was just thinking about uh, this, this holiday and how for so many, there's so many great memories, but there's also a lot of other memories that come up. Uh, there, there's memories of great excitement and joy, but memories of great loss and pain. Uh, my grandparents are gone. My father's gone, you know. Family dynamics have changed. Things change. Mom moved out of the family house. The, the, the last part, uh, connection to Virginia in that way, it's changed, right? It was the last time I drove away. We're not going back. You see what I mean by this? So how do we carry ourselves in, in this type of season of life? Because I feel like we are always in season, in seasons. And we were, we were talking about it even in our prayer time before, uh, that, that we need to approach this whole season with a different perspective. And one of the things that I think, no, will change a season in one's life is choosing to have thanks, to have gratitude. And that is something that we have to choose in life because it's sometimes very hard to muster up. So um, in thinking about gratitude, typically what we do is we will, uh, I shouldn't say we, some pastors will do is find a verse all right, and pull it right out of context and say, well, this is what we're going to preach on today. And then I'll find a bunch of other supporting stuff to make sense of what I'm trying to say. So my heart automatically went to what Paul spoke to us. And you remember this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He said to us, rejoice always. 
Pray continually. And here it goes. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And again, you know, when we hear that scripture, a lot of times we're like, man, I, I just feel like going to Hobby Lobby and buying a bunch of stuff now, you know, because that give thanks is on everything, right? Give thanks. But we don't talk about all circumstances and all situations and all the things that surround an attitude of gratitude, right? Paul helps us as he writes to this church, Thessalonica, to understand what gratitude should look like and why. Not just that, but how we, as followers of Christ, are, are ones that are supposed to take this mindset and heart into everything that we do. And this is so important in this season. I'm challenging you to this. As I have challenged myself, I have put the disclaimer forth that I am choosing to be happy to put on tinsel. Okay, is that what it's called? Tinsel? Is that right? We don't even use that. But I am choosing to be happy as I string the lights kind of thing. Why? Because if it depends on me, I'm going to act with an attitude of gratitude and change the environments around me. You don't know what table you'll be at in this season. Not just your family table your co-worker's table, or what have you. So how do you respond proactively today versus reactively tomorrow? Okay, Paul's helped us with this. So Paul helps us by, by giving us a picture of what he's thankful for specifically. This church was going through some struggles that I'll make mention of later, but also going through some great things because they were going after it for God. They were, they were spreading good news message like crazy. However, they are struggling. And someone like Paul was, was admonishing them and building them up and telling them why he is thankful for them, okay? And I love hearing this because this will help you today understand why God, I am also thankful for you. And I think it's so important when we have this type of attitude approaching every season of life. So we see, as I take a couple of verses, as we look at the whole book of First Thessalonians, a couple of verses to, to, to cover what this gratitude has looked like. Paul says in verses 2 through 3 of chapter 1, he said, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, right? Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul setting the stage of understanding as to what he is most thankful for because of this church and what they're doing. He says, listen, I am so thankful for the gospel movement that is happening in and through you. Take a moment. Look at your life. Ask yourself, how much is the gospel moving in and through me? How much am I sharing the good news message of Jesus Christ how much do I work? Because we do have to work at this. We have to put our hands to the plow and work at this because I know it's difficult. I don't feel like doing this all the time, especially when you envision yourself sitting across the table or going to coffee with that troubled coworker. Do you feel like putting the work in? I played football in high school. I played football in high school. Okay, heavy quotations. What did that mean? I rode the pine, okay? 
But why? All right. Now, it didn't help that I was, they, they put me on defensive, like a defensive end. I was not that big, okay? So that didn't help that there was a guy way bigger in front of me, meaning way bigger, way bigger, way better, and boy, could he stick me when I was the, the punching bag. And, and, but I, I played football, and the problem and the reason why I didn't really play football, I wasn't willing to put the work in. The coach wasn't mean or stern enough to tell me that, because he coddled me a little bit and just said, oh, Mr. Myers, go on, you'll be fine. But how often in our faith are we not willing to put the work in of a labor of love and to endure by the hope that we have within us? Paul was saying, listen, I am so thankful for you because of this. And think of this missionary going from place to place and in the struggles that he even found himself in and the persecution and prison and all these things to have an overwhelming sense of gratitude for this church. Why? Because they were a part of a gospel movement. So important for our lives. And I tell you, this season can be a movement within your life if you allow it. If we embrace this reason for thanks, for thanks and forgiving. Paul was also thankful for another reason. He said this in chapter 2, verse 13. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, Paul was beside himself excited that they received the word of God. First and foremost, that they were carrying the good news message. But then he says, you know what? You actually received this thing in your life and you were transformed by this good news message. And ask yourself, have you seen a metamorphosis in your own life? Has there been a drastic change so that when you maybe go sit at the table with somebody, they'll be like, you're different. What happened since last year? Something changed. Did you do your hair differently? (laughs) Is that a new jacket? You know what I mean? But no, no, it's your attitude. It's, It's different this year. What changed in your life? You came back to work this week a little different even than last week. You came back to school. How many of you guys are on break right now? Yes, right? School's coming. I just want to encourage you with that. Um, <laughs> you're like party pooper. You were changed, a metamorphosis by the word of God. And Paul also says this, and, and we, don't, we don't experience it in this way yet, but this, this may happen in our lifetime. You became imitators And persecution because of the word of God you received. Not only were you changed by it completely, but you were also being persecuted for what you believed in your community. People didn't like what happened in your life. They definitely don't like Jesus. You can say God all day. You know that. But when we bring up Jesus, it changes the climate of conversations, doesn't it? Okay? And he says, because you received the word, you received Christ Jesus. Because of this reason, you have experienced persecution. You have imitated even Christ in this. And he's like, you know what? I'm so thankful for you that you didn't lose heart. And we experience pain and difficulty in different ways. We talked about that a little bit with Romans. We experience letdown. We experience hurt. We experience pain. Not to this level of being called persecution by any means. But we know what it's like to try to stand up and imitate Christ in difficult situations. You see what I'm saying? And Paul was so proud and grateful for them that they were imitating Christ Jesus in this way. But also, I'm proud. We can become proud of one another when we also do the same. 1 Thessalonians 3.9 
He says this as well. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Think about this. And a lot of times we were were thinking throughout our last series about someone that has sincere love. And we pictured grandma, right? We pictured grandma. For me, it was grandma bringing hot pizza down in the middle of the snow, right? I miss me, mom and granddaddy. Can you tell? It was hot pizza down in the snow. And that was sincere love. Think about what Paul is thinking in difficult situations and circumstances that he's going to as he is pushing to push this church forward and to push the gospel movement forward. These people bring him sheer joy. We have an opportunity. Listen to me. This isn't a sales pitch. This is a reality. Through what Christ Jesus did in and through us to carry joy into every situation. It's so big. It's so big. And, and, and guys, I'm telling you, it is probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do is to choose joy. I mean, it might be hard to even choose joy right now from what you're feeling. Even hearing that, you're like, that sounds great. I'm happy for Paul. I'm happy for you, Justin, but that's not my life. Paul says, I'm thankful because you've brought us great joy. Why? Because your faith in the Lord. Your faith in the Lord is, is amazing. You've been, you've been standing firm on that faith. And another great thing that he wanted to tell them that was so awesome to see within their church is this love that you have toward others. He's like, yeah, I know there's other struggles in the church. You're wondering like what the second coming of Christ Jesus will look like. That was a big theme and it even moves into 2 Thessalonians. You know, you're a little scared, apprehensive. You know, who will be included, who will not? What's it going to look like? Uh, what should I do? How should I prepare? You know, and that's why Paul's also admonishing them for their work thus far. He's proud of them for what they're doing. But they're, they're scared, they're overwhelmed. But one of the things they do very well is they love their brothers and sisters. So he says, I'm so thankful for you. You bring me such great joy because this is what you're doing with your life. This is what we get an opportunity to do in this next season of our lives. To stand firm in that faith. To stand firm in what we believe. Sometimes you feel like you don't know what you believe. You don't know what to stand for. Right? And I know that's difficult. Right? I do. But I do believe also that the Spirit of God will challenge you and speak to you in such a way to teach you what faith, belief in Christ Jesus means. To help you to to, to stand firm in that faith even though you don't have everything else figured out but also that he will help you to love others, especially people you don't necessarily like. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Are you with me? It's hard. It's difficult. There's so much more to this letter that Paul is trying to communicate, but what I think is is really important that I want to cover today is what he leaves that church with in that first letter. And it's understood as his final thoughts. Paul's final thoughts that he had for this church that I think are instrumental for us today is some final thoughts. If we want to leave this place proactively leaving with thanksgiving, leaving with joy, leaving with peace, these are some ideals and understandings that he put in place for us to glean and grow from today. Some of his final thoughts, and you would totally understand this, uh, when dealing with others, if you only had yourself, it'd be totally fine, but we have to deal with others in this world. There's other people involved in all that we do. And Paul wanted to make a point that that there's a couple different types of people. 
There's hardworking folk and there's lazy folk. Where are my doers in the crowd? Raise your hand if you're a doer. Uh, I'm raising mine with you. I'll do two. Uh, I find my value in what I do. Okay, I have to be very careful with this because I don't know how to calm down. All right, most of you that raised your hand, uh, you were part of Love Week, for instance, where we served together with our hands, with our legs, and with our poison ivy. Um, We were excited for that, okay? And Paul is speaking to how we, as followers of Christ, deal with others. Because this has to be a proactive, intentional thing that we're thinking about here, right? Because you never know what you're going to get. And that's what's predictable. You never know what you're going to get. And he talks about specifically in dealing with others. Hard-working people. Hard-working people. For me, uh, one of the greatest joys that I have in life is watching my son work hard alongside me. You know, my daughters, both of them, when they work hard alongside, because I find value in that, and I want to teach them something like that. Work ethic, I think, is very important and something that is not very prevalent in this life, as you would agree. But he challenged us with these final thoughts in dealing with others and hardworking people to give respect. Think about that. To acknowledge them, those who work hard. To esteem them and lift them up. For me, a words of affirmation guy as well. Sit next to me and tell me how awesome I'm doing, Kara. Come here. Come here. But I'm busy, Jess. I'm like, no, no, you're not too busy to sit next to me and tell me how well I helped you decorate that tree today. All right? Did you notice I helped you decorate the tree? The words of affirmation guy. Can I prime the words to come back to me right now? But dealing with hard workers, acknowledge those who work hard among you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work and live in peace with each other. And this is so important for us to to esteem folk that work hard. And for Paul speaking here, those that, that choose to live in peace, those that choose to perpetuate the gospel, celebrate that. Pick them up. Tell others of how amazing these folk are doing because this represents and reflects the heart of Christ. So important for us to understand But then there's the other side of things and the other type of people, okay? The other type. And this is dealing with the lazy folk of one's life. Sometimes you may struggle to have patience, right? Are you with me? Patience with people that are lazy because you're a doer. You're a mover. You're a shaker. You're making things happen. And when you see someone that's lazy, what do you do with that? The first thing that we should do is give a kind, gentle warning, of guess what, you're not making the cut. No, not like that, okay? Because remember, Paul's talking about the perpetuation of the good news message of Jesus Christ, not someone painting a wall in the church. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's so important for us when dealing with others and those that just aren't quite there yet or are being idle, who are not prepping also for the return of Christ because they don't understand everything yet. This is a major problem happening in this book and their lives at that time and that church. They don't know exactly what to think yet. They don't know everything. Everybody else has it all figured out, their theology, their philosophy, their whatever. They're they're good to go, but there's folk that still don't have it figured out yet. Let them know in a way that's kind and sweet and encourage them, right? That's so important. Encourage the disheartened, those that are afraid. They don't know what to do. How can we be so mean to someone that doesn't know what to do and is scared? I don't know about you, but... The unknown scares me more than anything in the world. That's what grips me the most. Being a doer, I like a plan. I like steps. I like to understand and know what's coming next. When that doesn't happen, I can typically step back and be afraid and become lazy or idle. 
help the weak. We have an opportunity here to help the weak, but most importantly here we see to be patient with everyone. Ooh, did you picture the family member or the friend right then and there that you lack patience with? This, this is what makes sense to us because we can identify someone when dealing with others that it's very difficult to be patient with them. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive. Always strive to practice, to work hard at doing what is good for each other and for everyone else. Being patient and practicing kindness. If you want to see your family members change for Christ, the last thing you want to do, see that big white Bible right there? See that big white Bible right by the baptismal? Do not take that home with you today and do not take that to Thanksgiving dinner and slap them on the forehead with the word of God. Okay, do you know what I mean by this? So often... People take the Bible right off the coffee table at the family gatherings. Do you know what this says? Whop! You know what I'm saying kind of thing? That's not the way we do that. Let's take a moment and be patient and be kind and share what God is doing in such a way that change can happen in their lives too. And dealing with lazy people. How about dealing with yourself? That's kind of the, probably the, one of the hardest ones is dealing with you. This is where we get that scripture that we love to put on everything from Hobby Lobby and everything in between. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think this is so important for us because so often this is one of the biggest struggles we have in our life is figuring out God's will for our lives. I have conversation after conversation after conversation. I just don't know what God wants to do with my life. I can't figure it out. I don't know what's next. I don't know what I did wrong to get here. I don't know what's going on right now. This is pretty simple, I think. And what it all revolves around is a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Having joy always. When we have joy in our lives, okay, that, that comes through salvation... No way to the Father, but through the Son, through Christ Jesus. And when salvation takes place in your life, uh, the old man, the old person dies, and you become new. And where there was pain, I mean, there's still going to be pain and difficulties, but joy is infused through the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, we have an, an, an opportunity to have joy always. Even, and this is what I think is important, that in all circumstances, I think we could add that to giving thanks. We can add that to praying, and we can add that to joy because we can't control what's going to happen, but we know who is with us in everything that happens. So we got joy, and, and when we, out of this joy, we're able to, to give thanks to him, right? We're able through prayer, and a lot of times we can kind of mess this up when it comes to prayer that you have to, you know, it's all about praying in Elizabethan, like you have to have translated into King James for your prayer to work. Have you ever heard that growing up? Dearly beloved, all Father, you know, and all of a sudden your voice changes? What just happened, okay? Um, do you talk to friends that way? Anybody talk to friends that way? You typically talk the same. Sometimes Charles does, but becoming a father, you had a bubble pipe, you know. I always picture Charles now with his bubble pipe and his ascot, 
as, as he's carrying around his, his child. Congratulations, the baby's here today. All right, Charles and Katie, we love you guys. Um, but this all circumstances attached to joy, attached to prayer, attached to thanks. Why? Because this is God's will for your life, that you have joy, that you have a prayer life, a conversational life with God, that you have this opportunity every day to give thanks. You get up and say, God, you've given me joy. You're obviously talking to him right now, praying. God, you've given me joy. I will choose to have gratitude and thanks in this moment because, Lord, you and I both know this situation has not gone well so far, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. But, God, I have a choice today, and with your help, I will give thanks. I know that salvation has made such a difference, a life-changing difference in my life. Therefore, I will be joyful always. I will pray continually, and I will give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't stop with that because he knows uh, that we are not just human beings that are, that are flesh and blood walking around and doing life. He knows that there is a spiritual component to us, to our worship, and to the body of Christ. He says concerning spiritual matters, and I think this is important. You may have heard this scripture a lot growing up. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. And you may have heard it. Do not, I like, I like this, this, this uh, translation, do not put out the Spirit's fire. We have an opportunity, an opportunity to grow the spirit of God's movement within our lives, or we have an opportunity to be a wet blanket. Now, growing up with what I've grown up in, Pentecostal roots, that's where I've had to be very careful to be slow to speak, right? Quick to pray, quick to listen before I say something. I could be a wet blanket to a move of God in someone's life, or I can be a wet blanket to the move of God within the local body. And what Paul is trying to get at here for us is he says, don't quench the spirit. Don't be someone that will hold back what God is trying to do in and through the body. He says here, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. He says, hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil, allowing God's Spirit to work in and through people, but always test everything. What does that mean? He talks specifically about prophecy. But anytime you get a bunch of believers together who are young in the faith or growing in the faith, and they all of a sudden hear that there's a spiritual aspect that can happen within the body of believers, everybody doesn't know how to handle it well. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You ever heard of, I'm not going to, a snake, if a snake, a baby snake were to bite you, right, that, that is venomous, you could die much faster than a full-grown snake. They don't know how to control what they have yet. And what he's trying to say here, <laughs> Bray's face, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you, Bray, all right? <laughs> She's like, don't talk about snakes. How about spiders? Anybody like spiders? Let's just keep going, all right? All right. Um, how about the unknown? You're like, now I'm really scared, okay? The most scary thing you talked about today. Um, we have this opportunity, though. We have this opportunity to allow the church to be the church, to allow the church to be the church, or to push down what God desired for the church, okay? And as a leader, the leader, I have an opportunity to be a lid where the Spirit of God can't pour in, but also a lid where the Spirit of God can't be poured out, Okay? So this is very important because thinking about this very subject um, about the church, 
and how important it is for the church to be the church and why, the big question, why the church? Has anybody ever asked that? Why church? Anybody with me? Why do we come in a building on Sunday, okay, and sit in rows and listen to one person communicate the word of God? Anybody ever struggle with that? This is my life. If so, you're right there with me, okay? And so what I like to do is I like to ask questions, and the people I like to ask the most are children, okay? Um, Because if we don't understand things now for them, they won't hold on to it later. So as I sat across the table from my kids having a great, really refreshing snack, Sam's Club, pizza, very good, very good. And those homestyle chicken nuggets taste just like Chick-fil-A on opposite day. Um, As we sat there, I asked the kiddos in thinking about today, would you guys go to church after you leave our house? Because you know, we, we watch it. We, we, all encourage, we always encourage folk to, to visit fam and travel and all that stuff. We never, we never do that. But the question still plagues us as, as pastors and stuff. Karen and I talking, you know, she's back there trying to work so hard to develop kids, you know, so they don't stray from faith. And I'm here trying to divide the word of God and all these kinds of things so that we make sense of this and walk out. And, and the question is, why church? Why do we even have it? We'll talk about it later uh, in, in the future. But thinking about this process and asking my kids, why do we even have this? And one of the greatest explanations that Kara helped to add to our family conversation is the kids couldn't really even answer it. I mean, because I like it. I mean, you make us go. I mean, it's fun. I'm like, oh, geez. Why do we need church? And a great article came out that helped to explain this. But we need accountability with one another. We need accountability. We need, we need to look around and sharpen one another in the faith. You need to see that you're not doing this alone. That's why this is important. You, you need to see that you've got other people that are struggling, trying to make it, trying to, to, to push forward. And you need to be around families that are, that are trying to figure it out too with kids. You, you need to be around folk that just aren't perfect because that's the kind of church we want, that, that reflect real life, that have big questions, that don't have it figured out. But you also, and, and I, was, I was blown away by this explanation, you have something that you're to give to this body that you are gifted with uniquely. And if you don't come here, we can't experience that. And that's not, again, this is, I'll bite my tongue. This is important for us to have a place, as I received a call just yesterday from a couple of our folk from this church who said, Pastor, we want to pray for you and your wife. We want to, Acts tells us to lay hands on those and pray for them by faith that God would touch their lives. I was so blown away by that that the Spirit of God will speak on my and Kara's behalf to family within the church to pray for us because that's what they're bringing to the body. But if we don't gather, we can't share. I mean, we, we, can, I have a, we can have an awesome online church, but like, who are you accountable to, your cat? You know what I mean by that? He's like, he's always here. He's so good to me. But you know what I'm saying? I was just thinking about this. Because honestly, guys, I'm thinking, why do we even do this? That's why this all started. Can we just go out and be seven days a week outside, or do we need to come together Sunday? Literally, that's the way I think about stuff, okay? And this is important mostly, and I think this is important that we get this, because we have something to give from God to each other. Think about that. That just blew my mind. I was like, Kara, you go, girl. She's like, hmm. Um, and, 
normally that's me bringing, you know, the boom, you know, and she's, I'm like, yeah, and the kids were like, huh, all right, but we're having those conversations. Spiritual matters, I know I took a little bit of time on that, but I think that's so important. Because spiritual matters can be the things that are most confusing. And when we talk about these confusing things sometimes, make sure they line up with Scripture. Just like I said last week, if I say something that's off base, holla at your boy. Because I'll make it right. Okay? Does it line up with Scripture? And also, because we avoid all evil possible, is it spiritually sound? We have to discern if that's right. If that's right. Especially being in Pentecostal churches growing up. A lot of things were out of order, but a lot of things were beautiful, okay? This is how healthy I can be finally in that versus even mean the way I said about what I grew up in, all right? It's important. Come from health. So from God to you now, I think this is very important that we catch this as well. This, is, this blew my mind. This blew my mind. Again, all from trying to be contextual with Hobby Lobby's uh, boards that they give out that you hang on your wall about giving thanks, okay? This is so good. Just scripture, just, it's no big deal, just speaks to you. May God himself, Paul's saying, not me, not Timothy, not any other missionary that would come your way, which that's powerful and needed, I'm not saying that, that's what you are right now. But may God himself, the God of peace, come on, I'm getting pumped for Christmas because of that theme, Okay. But we have gratitude, thanksgiving, before we get to that understanding as well. Okay, but how does that happen? The God of peace, another good Christianese word, a big church word here, sanctify you. You've you got to say it like sanctify. And I remember when I was getting credentialed with the assemblies back in the day. And I remember my, my good buddy, Pastor Don, and uh, E. Don Cox. You know, he, he's, he's so w- filled with wisdom he's much older now, he's retired, that his first name is E, okay? That's how, like, N.T. Wright or some of the folks that you know of, his first name is E, all right? And that's, that's pretty powerful. But I remember sitting in front of him, and he asked me, like, so, so uh, Justin, what does it mean to be sanctified? And I hate tests. I hate interview stuff. Anybody with me on this? I'm like you know, lip quiver. I'm in the corner crying in the fetal position because I just don't like this stuff, all right? I love to talk, but I don't feel like when the the pressure's on. He says, what does it mean to be sanctified, Justin? I'm like, um, he's like, doesn't it mean to be set apart? I'm like, yes, Don Cox, that sounds perfect. And he's like, doesn't it mean to be set apart that you're different after salvation, after God has done things in your life? Doesn't, I'm like, yes, what it means, Mr. Cox, is that we are set apart distinguished for a work of God, called to something higher and greater as followers of Christ. He says the God, that God himself, the God of peace, will sanctify you through and through. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, all of you. And what does he do? He takes all of you and empties you out And puts this joy, thanksgiving, gratitude in that comes by way of salvation through God's Spirit, through Jesus. Think about that. Through Jesus. And the Spirit comes at the same time. Make sure we don't get that twisted. And holy, through and through, made new, metamorphosis, transformation, changed. He says, the whole, Barry, if you guys want to make your way up, the whole, may your whole spirit 
A lot of times we trichotomize ourselves by this conversational piece here, this scripture that says spirit, soul, and body. And we could get into that. Yeah, I made that word up. Go for it, Sam. All right. Uh, we, all of us, every part of us, this is the key, the whole of us, wholly emptied out, wholly filled, but the whole, every part of you, every part of you could be kept blameless. Think about that. Think about showing up to that difficult, weird situation in life. And they look at you. And they're like, you're different all the way around. Yeah, it's, my soul's really different, you know. Um, but my, my spirit man has just changed dramatically. My body, yeah, I've lost a little bit of weight. You know what I mean by this? No, he's saying there's, you're different. The whole of you. has been wholly emptied out and wholly filled by God, with God, through Christ Jesus, spirit living in you. You're different. I love that. Paul, thank you for that. But how does this happen, though? This is the big question. It's the million-dollar question of how. How does this happen in our lives? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole Spirit, soul, and body, all of you, be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, that was the big deal. They were wondering when, how, what, not knowing the time and all of that. And the goal was to be kept blameless in this as you share that message, as you share the good news, and as you wait for him, not being idle, but working and getting ready. The one who calls you, this is how, is faithful. faithful what does that mean to you that God's faithful to you to me when I think of God's faithfulness because I think about a lot of things I'm a big thinker in my head a lot a lot people don't think that either because I talk a lot, but I'm trying to talk less. There's a lot that has happened with Justin Meyer's life. A lot. And the older I get in the faith, the more I see God's presence in every circumstance. Think about it. Because guys, I've been thinking about a lot. <laughs> Mom, she, she moved out the, the last... She's moving out. Today's it. The family home. The house that me, Ma, and granddaddy bought after they sold the farm. You see what I'm saying? The family house that mom and dad had, that Jonathan had, gone. It's gone. You get what I mean here? It's, you think about a lot of stuff. Dad's gone. Me, Ma, and granddaddy gone. Mother, me, Ma, and granddaddy gone. A lot of stuff has changed. But he's been faithful. I made a lot of stupid decisions. I don't think I would even call them decisions. They're probably just reactions, okay? All right, they're just. But yet, I've seen his faithfulness despite me trying to ruin everything, because that's what I do. I'm human. He's faithful. He can't be anything but faithful. That's what Paul's saying. He's faithful. Hanging out in prison, as Paul wrote other letters. 
He's faithful. I'm thankful. I'm grateful because this thing is moving forward. The good news message that I'm willing to die for. Paul's saying this, that Jesus did die for, that many first century believers died for. He's faithful. We don't have all the answers. And I think a lot about a lot of things, and I want answers. But I don't have them. But if I choose joy, always being joyful, continue to talk to him, you know what I mean? Praying continually. And choose thanks, even when things are not good or things are great. I'll see that he will be faithful. Paul tells us that he will do it. He will do it. I don't know about you, but that kind of just frees me up to not carry so much. Think about that. Uh, you, can, you can do a budget, right, based upon what you make. Uh, you can respond well to your spouse or friends. Uh, you can study hard to get your education. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of things you can do. But there's so many things that we can't control or do to make a difference. But what we can do is just choose this attitude of gratitude. I know it's very hard for some of us. It's hard for me because I could typically be half empty cup, not half full. You would think I'm an optimist, but I can, I'm a realist trying to be an optimist, which is actually a pessimist, okay? All right? True story. But as I've looked back, the cup's filling up more because I'm learning, you know, oh, God was there. Dude, it could have been so much worse. My son's face, you remember that, getting hit with a flying piece of metal. My boy told me, Dad, it could have been so much worse. It could have got in my throat. It could have went in my eye. I could have died. And I'm like, God's faithful. You're right, son. You know what I'm saying? He's faithful. He's faithful even unto death because he's provided heaven. Right? That's, that's the ultimate healing. My dad got healed. My grandparents were healed. You know what I mean? How do we respond? Allow God to be faithful through his word. Allow God to enable you to share this good news message of Christ Jesus. Allow God to, to help you choose joy, prayer, and, and gratitude, thankfulness. Allow God's spirit to be at work in you, but also the body. Allow God by his faithfulness to make you wholly whole by his own working. God, this morning we thank you so much for your word. God, we, we thank you so much for your, your word that is living and active. That God, your spirit is at work, your Holy Spirit, that, that Christ Jesus told us would be at work when he would leave. He's been at work all along, even since the beginning. But he's at work in a major way helping us to prepare for your second coming, to prepare our hearts so that we can take as many people with us. 
so that we can be thankful and choose gratitude when we sit across the table or in the car or whatever with people we don't necessarily care for, but we love them. Lord, that in this season, not just Thanksgiving, but this typical family holiday season that can bring so many different feelings, help us to see your faithfulness in all things. Help us to see you in the situations versus the situation thinking you're not in it. Help us, Lord, to capture, to take with force the thoughts that captivate us and make them submissive to you, Christ Jesus, the one who died to make us free. This morning, we choose joy. We know, Jesus, by your life, death, and resurrection, that there is a way that has been paved between us and God called salvation to be made new. And we choose this morning, if we didn't before, we choose to believe and walk towards you, God, through Christ Jesus. Help us, I pray, this morning to see you, God, as faithful and not one who has forgotten us. Help us, Lord, to continue to push your good news message forward as you enable us. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I challenge you this morning, whoever you may have come with, that is your first person I want you to talk to to pray for you. Okay, and again, prayer can be very simple. God, help so-and-so who's struggling with this. That's it. Just agree together, okay? That's a response. If you would like prayer from one of us, we'll be up here praying for you. Ready, absolutely. But just respond during this time. Don't let a moment pass when you could respond to a life-altering decision that would happen through Jesus, okay? Don't miss it, all right? We love you guys. Let's worship and let's respond together. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at thefoundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thefoundrywv.